Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 about the three steps of confession and terms for finding God, which are getting saved, becoming a child of God, and becoming a friend of God. Download this message for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org, or download it for free on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, we'd like to encourage you to come out with Tom Cantor to his Museum Day 2014 at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. That's in San Diego County, which is in Southern California. And if you know anyone in the Southern California area, Tom Cantor would like to invite you and your family or friends out to Museum Day. It's a free event on Saturday, September 27th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tom Cantor will be speaking as well as Dr. Jason Lyle of the Institute for Creation Research, Eric Hoven from Creation Today, Ray Comfort of Living Waters Ministries, And Bill Morgan and other creationists will be speaking at this wonderful event, family-free event. Matter of fact, this year's theme is Noah's Ark and the Door of Salvation. We'll be having a Noah's Adventureland with rides, games, bounce houses, face paintings, a two-by-two petting zoo, and other great rides and fair games for children. So it's a family event. We'll also have an Animals After the Ark show, and we'll be showing zebras, zorses, legless lizards, a miniature bull, and other unique rare animals And, of course, our Creation and Earth History Museum will be open free to the public that day. And we'll also have food there like Shim, JPeth, and Ham's Barbecue, as well as Catastrophic Coffee and Ice Age Ice Cream. For more information on Museum Day 2014 at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, San Diego, California, we'd like to encourage you to go to our website, creationsd for San Diego, creationsd.org, creationsd.org. Or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us today about the three steps of confession and terms for finding God. Now what are God's terms? Well, there are steps for man to find God. And step one is given to us in verse 9. That is the where art thou, or where art thou, mirror step. No one is saved and finds God without the where art thou mirror step. This is the look at yourself in the mirror and see where you are step. You know, in Revelation 3.17, very important verse if you like to turn, Revelation 3.17, it says this, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. If anyone comes to God on his own terms and says the first part of that verse 17, God, I just would like you to know that I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. That's the end. That's the end of the meeting because that person is proud and he's not being honest. And when he looks in the mirror, he's trying to come up with his own reality, his own image, and he's coming to God on his own terms and he's not going to find God. But if a person comes to God and looks in the mirror and says to God the second part of verse 17, He sees himself honestly for who he is and what he is. No matter how well he's clothed, 
no matter how much money he has, no matter how well he can see, he still comes to God on God's terms and he says, I am wretched, I am miserable, I am poor, I am blind, and I am naked. Those are God's terms. And that person, if he comes that way, he's just past the first step to finding God, which is the where art thou step. Where art thou? I feel so exposed, so ashamed, so guilty, so dirty within. All I can say is I'm naked, and these silly fig leaf aprons are so pathetic. I feel so empty inside. I feel so like I have nothing. I'm so poor. I feel so worried. I'm troubled about everything. I don't have peace. I'm so indecisive with no confidence that I'm even making God's decisions right. I have no guiding light. I lost my light. I'm stumbling in the dark. I'm blind. Those are the truth. And to come stating the truth about ourselves is the first step to finding God. And when a person talks like that, they've passed the where art thou step, and they're on their way to finding God. They're not far. And they because they're agreeing with God, they are a sinner, and they're suffering because of it. The next one is the who told thee. The who told thee. This is God through the conscience of the man. Step two, verse 11. Who told thee? God through the conscience of the man is speaking to the man. God came to Adam. And he asked him, Adam, who told you you were naked? Well, the answer to the question is, Adam told Adam that he was naked. Nobody told Adam he was naked. Adam knew he was naked. Why? How did Adam know he was naked? Well, it's very simple. Because Adam had a guilty conscience over the whole thing. And this made him feel naked and exposed. So Adam, uh, because of his guilty conscience, he, he, he felt naked. John 1.9 talks about a light that comes to every man that's born into the world. And it says this, John 1, 9, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The Lord Jesus Christ has placed inside every man the light of his conscience, so that when he does something wrong, that light of his conscience exposes it and doesn't let him get any rest, and he feels guilty, and he feels ashamed. It's just like it's somehow connected to God's forehead. And when God frowns, we feel it. That's the conscience. When God frowns and says, you did something wrong, we feel it. It pains us inside. That's the conscience. That's the conscience. Matthew 15, 19 through 20 puts it like this. Out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, murders adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. See what he's saying? He's saying these things come from inside, from inside. And these are thoughts which arise out of man's heart. And he doesn't have to blame his parents for it. And he doesn't have to blame the environment for it. And he doesn't have to blame his boss for it or his brothers or his sisters or anybody else. He's just come from inside the man. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. So when any man anywhere on earth thinks these evil thoughts, immediately the person feels dirty inside. I should did tonight. I don't know why. And that's what 
drives the person to the Lord Jesus Christ. I was tormented by those feelings of dirtiness, and I yearned to get clean inside. That was the light that God had put inside of me. It's the light that God puts inside of every person on the earth. The true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Conscience, just think of conscience as the frown meter. The frown meter. Whenever God frowns, we feel dirty, ashamed, sinful uh, inside. That's So respond. God wants us to respond to this. Realize we need to get right with God. You do, if you don't come through this step, you can't find God. And David put it so well when he really captured the essence of what the step was in Psalm 51.4 when he said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David said, if it's a terrible disease, the worst thing that's happened It's not against the person who you might have murdered, the person who you might have have raped. The worst thing is you did it against God. And in comparison to harming the people, to uh, offending God, he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. So where art thou, Steph? Is to see ourselves accurately in the mirror as wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That creates the steam that pushes us to God. The who told thee, Steph? is to see from a dirty, guilty conscience that we have sinned against God and we have to get right with God foremost. And the third step is a step of confession. It's a step of confession. This is the step of I did it. I did it. Now here you can see God is really trying to help Adam out. He's trying to help him to successfully pass this step. And you can see God doing this for not only Adam, you see it doing it for the Jewish people if you like to turn to Hosea. Chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, you can see in this passage here a very unique situation where God is trying to help the Jewish people out to pass this step. He says in Hosea 14, 1 through 2, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words, and turn to the Lord, and say unto him, Take away all iniquity, receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Look what God is doing for the Jewish people. He's saying, you see the three steps here? Step one, where art thou? Thou hast fallen by thine own iniquity. You are a sinner. Look in the mirror and see, Israel, that you are poor, blind, wretched, naked, etc., fallen by thine own iniquity. Step two, who told thee? God through conscience. See, he says, return unto the Lord thy God. And step three, do the I did it confession. Here God says to the Jewish people, he'd help them with this. He'd help them with this. In other words, God was saying to the Jewish people, I'll help you through this step of confession. First God acknowledges that they don't even feel like returning to God. The feeling ain't there. They don't feel full of repentance. And so God says, okay, let's start where we can start with you. So God says, just come. He says, come. And you see verse 2 in Hosea. God says, take with you words. If that's all you got, just take the words. Ready? Here we go. Verse 2. You just say this, my Jewish people, just say this. Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. In that scene, you see God saying to the Jewish people, just repeat the sinner's prayer after me. 
Just say these words. Take away the sin. Take away the iniquity. Receive us graciously. Receive us graciously. We will render the calves of our lips. We will render the calves of our lips. God says, just repeat after me. Okay, it's wonderful. Now God's going to do the same thing with Adam. So turn back now. You can see you to Genesis 3.11. And he says, he gives him the words. When he says the question to Adam, he's given him the words. He's saying, Adam, this is your script. He said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Here's the script. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? Here God is helping Adam as he, as he crafted for Adam the words of his confession. Just say those words of the confession. Use the words I gave you. And so he goes over this with Adam. And Adam says, you ready? Now go for it, Adam. And in verse 12, Adam stands up. And instead of the confession, he says, the woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the fruit and I did eat. All right, Adam, I practically put the words in your mouth. Adam, adding that all about the woman, I didn't give you that stuff. So next, God turns to the woman. And maybe she'll give an even clearer confession. After all, God has just coached Adam on all that he needed to do which was just basically to say the three words, I did eat. So what does the woman say? So Genesis 3.13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this thing that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me. The serpent seduced me. The serpent led me astray. Well, she adds that. So, all right, she needs more help. Getting the confession, right? I did eat. But, all right, God says, I'll go back to it later. But the point is, these are the three steps Those are God's terms for finding God. Those are God's terms for getting saved. Those are God's terms for becoming a child of God. Those are God's terms for becoming a friend of God. Those are God's terms for knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt you're going to heaven when you die. Step one, where art thou? Looking in the mirror honestly. The more a person sees himself in the mirror for what he really is, the more he will pass from just the casual, I want God, through to the more urgent, I need God, and getting to the real desperate, I must have God. That's what God wants to hear. He says, all right now, because if you are poor, miserable, blind, naked, then you will go to the, I must have God. Step two, who told thee? God told you through your conscience. Seeing that sin has devastated us, it's a personal offense against God. And that we need to get right with God himself. That's step two. And step three, I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. The clear, simple confession that I sinned, no one else's fault but mine. I take 100% responsibility for it. Those are the three steps to repentance. Repentance is God's terms to be saved to have a friendship with him, to deviate from any of those steps is to fail in the test of repentance. Like deviating from step one, who are you? I'm not so bad. I'm not not as good as some, not as bad as others, but I'm not that bad off. You failed. Deviating from step two, who told you you were offended? Well, what I did wrong is really only a matter between me and my fellow man. What's God got to do with it? It's really a violation of ethic. There is no such thing as the law. It has nothing to do with God. You failed. Deviating from step three of the 100% my fault, I did it. But the reason I did it is because of, of, of others, you know. That's to fail 
the third step. To come to God, you've got to follow the three clear steps. Because if anyone does that, then a person has come to repentance. If they really come to those three steps and pass, they've come to repentance, and God will bring that person to the revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ is so they can call on his name and they can be saved because God wants every person, including Barbara Walters, and he wants to bring them through those steps so he can save them and give them an eternal home in heaven. And so that is why God was helping Adam and Eve, starting out with the questions of, where art thou? Who told thee? What hast thou done? Where? Who? What? The point to see in these verses is that God was helping Adam and Eve through those questions of where, who, what. But in contrast, when you come to verse 14, when God addresses the serpent, what is not found in verse 14 that is found in verses 9, 11, and 13? It's that punctuation mark of the question mark. That's what's not found. There's no question mark. There's no question that are asked in verse 14. The questions in verses 9, 11, and 13 is what God asked Adam and Eve, and that was where we saw God beautifully carrying out what's described in Romans 2.4. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God was leading Adam to repentance. The goodness of God was leading Eve to repentance. And that's what he's doing. But when the Lord addresses the serpent, he doesn't ask any question because God's not interested in leading the devil to repentance. God's not interested in saving the devil, his arch enemy. So in verse 14, God just pronounces judgment on Satan with no possibility of rescue. That is a fearful fact. The fact is that as long as a person has breath in their lungs and is alive on earth, they have God's offer still open to them to be saved if they repent. And God will, in his goodness, lead them to repentance, which means he'll help them. He'll help them through the three steps to repentance. But that's a limited opportunity. That is a limited opportunity because after death, there's no opportunity to repent. Hebrews 9, 27, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. That is why the most important word in a verse is a word now. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Genesis 3.15, God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. When he pronounces judgment against Satan, God does something wonderful, just wonderful. And it's described, what he did here is described in Habakkuk 3.2. It says, in wrath, remember mercy. Four words, in wrath, remember mercy. That's what God does. Here you can just picture Adam and Eve listening as God is pronouncing the judgment on the serpent. Adam is thinking it's Eve's fault. And Eve's thinking it's the serpent's fault. And Adam's thinking, Eve, I should get rid of her. I mean, look at all the problems she's caused me. And Eve is thinking, I'm not the head of this family. God God has just appointed Adam to be over me. Why didn't the serpent go after Adam? He's stronger than me. Why did the serpent have to go after me, the weaker one? All these thoughts are running through their minds. And they're both thinking, how are we ever going to overcome the bondage 
that the serpent has now mastered over us. And he's brought us into his camp of sin. He's brought us into his camp of death. He's brought us into his camp of despair. And now we're like him against God. And they're thinking, what can we ever do? So with those thoughts of darkness and despair running around in their minds, they're listening in as God pronounces judgment on the serpent. And what they hear, they can't believe it. They can't believe their ears as they hear God remembering mercy in wrath, in his wrath. When he begins to talk about the seed of the serpent, he says the seed of the woman. And he says that he is planting an enmity, a hatred, a warfare between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And he predicts there's going to be a terrible fight. And there's a declaration of war that will have no reconciliation at the end. And this war is between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, the devil. And God says, in that conflict, the heel of the seed of the woman will be bruised or crushed. But in that conflict will result in the downfall of the serpent as the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And with those words, Adam now looks at Eve and he thinks, our deliverer, my deliverer, her deliverer, is going to come through her, through her. And with those words, he no longer despises Eve. He no longer blames Eve. In fact, he says to himself, she's really very important to me. I've never appreciated her before like I have today. Because in verse 20, Adam looks at her and says, Eve, mother of all living, our life again, our second life, our born again life, going to come through you. And you are therefore the mother of all living. And he elevates Eve to this position of great honor and great respect. Why? Because of God. Because God remembered mercy in wrath. And from that point on, from that point on, hope was born in their hearts. And that was a hope. That was a one burning question that Adam and Eve had were the first to ask, where is he? Where is he? Where is this one who's going to be the seed of the woman? Where is this one who is going to come through Eve? Where is the serpent head crusher who will bring us life again? And that question would burn in the hearts of every repentant sinner for thousands of years. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? That where is he question was finally answered to a teenage girl, a God-fearing Jewish girl, named Miriam or Mary. And one day she heard the angel say to her, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And with those words, the where is he question was answered. And she knew that she would be the one to come in Eve's place. And this time, accurately say, Cain, I got him. I got him. And she did. The life giver, the redeemer the seed of the woman. The where is he question was finally answered to the Jewish people by John the Baptist as he stood, proclaimed to them the answer to the where is he question in John 1.30. This is he. Where is he? This is he of whom I said, after me cometh the man of which is preferred before me, for he was before me. That where is he question was answered to his disciples by God the Father himself in Matthew 17.5. When it says, Behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And today, 
every lost sinner who comes to God on those three-step terms and asks the same question, where is he, to take away my sin, will hear the answer from John the Baptist in John one twenty nine. John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for remembering mercy and wrath and saving us and helping us to be saved every step of the way, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for for taking us as unworthy sinners and cleaning us up and clothing us up and giving us an inheritance that we don't deserve and a place in heaven forever to be with you so that we can join all of the angels in heaven and say glory to God in the highest. Thank you, Lord, for doing all this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. To encourage you to support this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program, Tom Cantor is offering his book, Whosoever Will versus Fatalism. Whosoever Will versus Fatalism, a tremendous book that will help you answer the question of what is biblical salvation and what is fatalistic Calvinism? Who can resist God's will? And did God predestinate people to die and go to hell? Is there a secret list? Or did all mean all and whosoever will mean whosoever will can come to God? All these questions are answered in Whosoever Will versus Fatalism. Tremendous book by Tom Cantor. Get your copy for a donation of $20 or more. 800 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Get your copy and support this Bible teaching radio program. 800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening. Join us next week.